I've been asked to reply. Mr. Speaker, I'm sure the whole House will wish to join me in sending our profound condolences to the family and friends of the servicemen killed in Afghanistan in the past week. They were Corporal Tom Gaydon, Lance Corporal Paul Upton, Rifleman Jamie Gunn of 1st Battalion, the Rifles, and Marine Michael Lasky, a 4-5 commando, who died last week following injuries sustained in Afghanistan. We owe them, and all who have lost their lives, our gratitude for their service. They are dedicated people fighting in our interests for a safer world. They will not be forgotten. Mr. Speaker, my right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, is in the United States. Yesterday he had talks with President Obama and today he'll be addressing the United States Congress. In a survey published last week, 74% of parents said that they were very concerned about the increasing level of violence in video games. Given the fact that there is increasing availability of these games on the internet, exhibiting scenes of graphic and gratuitous violence, when is the government proposing to implement the Byron report in full? This is not about censorship, this is about protecting our children. Well, I congratulate my right honourable friend for his long-standing campaign on this issue. We need to make sure that we have tough classification which are properly enforced. We need to make sure that parents have the information they need. We need to make sure that the industry plays their part into it and the government will take action on all these fronts. William Mr Speaker, may I join the Leader of the House in paying tribute to Corporal Tom Gaydon, Lance Corporal Paul Upton, Rifleman Jamie Gunn and Marine Michael Lasky, all of whom, as she has said, have given their lives in the last week through service to their country in Afghanistan. And I also want to express our horror, Mr Speaker, at the attack yesterday on the Sri Lankan cricket team and join in sending our thoughts and condolences to the families of those killed and injured in this outrage. Thinking of all of those people, will she agree that if there is to be any further increase in British troop levels in Afghanistan, that must be accompanied not only by clear and achievable objectives and the tackling of corruption in Afghanistan, but also by a proportionate increase, a commitment from the government to a proportionate increase in the helicopters and armoured vehicles essential for our forces to do their job. Well, of course we agree that our troops should have all the support, the logistical uh, support that they need when they're in the field. And I thank him for raising the question um, of Pakistan and what happened. And I fully support what the Right Honourable Gentleman has said. This terrible attack is a tragedy for Pakistan and we strongly condemn it. It was an attempt to destabilise democracy in Pakistan and it cannot be allowed to succeed. Our thoughts are with the families of the Pakistani police officers who died and the Sri Lankan cricketers. The Foreign Secretary has written to the Presidents of Pakistan and Sri Lanka and my right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, has conveyed his condolences. The UK is working closely with Pakistan and the international community to combat the threat from terrorism and violent extremism which threatens not only the security of the region but also the rest of the world.
Uh, we obviously agree about Pakistan, and we will hold the government to the commitment about the necessary equipment for our forces in Afghanistan. Turning to the economy and domestic matters, we have been pressing for several months now for action to get credit moving from the banks to businesses, and in January, the government finally announced a type of loan guarantee scheme, the Working Capital Scheme, saying it would help businesses now. Will she confirm that it is not yet operational and that not a single loan has so far been guaranteed under this scheme? The provisions under that scheme are being finalised, but I would say that I wouldn't want I wouldn't want I wouldn't want the right honourable member to convey the idea that there is not real help available to businesses now there are and I can tell him that businesses businesses who are having problems with cash flow can apply to HMRC to defer their tax payments and 72,000 businesses up and down the country have been able to do that. Businesses have been helped with their cash flow by making sure that the government and government agencies pay their bills on time, and they're doing that. Businesses are also helped by the extra money being put into the economy with the VAT cut and also, and also, and also the extra help to pensioners and tax credits. And I say that businesses are also helped by public investment, capital investment of building schools and hospitals and children's centres, and that's what he would propose to cut. Well, the right honourable lady may wish to get off the subject of the working capital scheme, but this is the government's flagship scheme for getting credit moving in the economy. It's what so many of us called for. The Prime Minister said on the 14th of January that this scheme would give real help for business now. The government promised this would become operational by the 1st of March. It's now the 4th of March and it is not remotely operational. It seems they only applied for state aid clearance to Brussels last week. Hundreds of businesses are going under. Tens of thousands of people are losing their jobs. She is holding a, recession, a, a summit on the recession in Downing Street uh, today. Will she undertake, while she is in charge and the Prime Minister is out of the country, to look at this with the Chancellor and do everything possible to speed up the implementation of this now long-delayed scheme? This, this scheme will come into effect, and it is, there are, we, have taken, we have taken a number of measures to get lending going again into the economy, nearly all of which... the a party opposite have opposed. So we've taken well we've taken action we've taken action to recapitalise the banks. We've taken uh, uh, action uh, uh, why don't you, Mr Hans, uh, allow the Leader of the House to answer the question that she's been asked. It's unfair to shout. It's unfair to shout. We've taken action to save the banks from total collapse, action which they opposed and would have allowed the banks to cap. 
We're taking action now to require the ba banks to increase their lending level, and that's why we've got an agreement with Northern Rock for $14 billion extra to be lent into the housing market and $25 billion extra to be lent into small businesses. So we've been taking the action, all of which they've opposed, and we've been getting real help to businesses. And the right honourable gentleman can say all he likes about one particular measure, but whilst we take a range of measures, they would do nothing. Well, I'm not only talking about one particular measure, Mr Speaker. Not only is the working capital scheme announced in January not operational now in March, the jobs recruitment scheme announced in January has now been delayed until April. The mortgage support scheme announced in December hasn't even been worked out yet. The guarantee scheme for asset-backed securities is not starting until April. And the Lloyds Bank deal meant to be announced on Friday has also been delayed. I'm not talking about one measure. I'm talking about the failure to implement right across the government's economic policy. So why doesn't she now step in? When Chamberlain lost his party's confidence, Churchill stepped forward. <laughs> when, uh, when, 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 when Eden crossed the Atlantic exhausted, well, Supermac came forward. This, this could be her moment. So, while, the, while the Prime Minister is away... Will she step in and make sure that these schemes, on which so much economic confidence depends, are actually implemented now? Um, he's, raised, he's raised the question, he's raised the very important question of mortgage support. And people are worried that if they lose their job, they fear that if they lose their job, they'll lose their home. And I want to remind the House that we have given help to people who fear they might lose their home. For people, for, people, for people who become unemployed, instead of having to wait 39 weeks, they will get help with the interest payments on their mortgage at 13 weeks, and an extra amount will be allowed. For people who lose their jobs, we put extra investment into the job centre and the private organisations too, who help people get retrained and get back into work. As far as the courts are concerned, every single county court has now got a help desk to protect people who face repossession and the building societies and banks have agreed that they will not take repossession action until at least three months of arrears has accumulated. And yes, we are working to ensure that if income falls in a household, that actually there will be a moratorium for up to two years for interest payments. We're working for, on that and look forward to bringing it, working on it and look forward to bringing it forward. And whilst he focuses... Whilst he focuses on political gossip, we focus on fighting for Britain's future. Mr Speaker, she shouldn't describe her leadership campaign as political gossip. That is not the way. That is not to go about, uh, how to go about winning the leadership of her party. But if she will... If she will this, I, I do know about that. I'm only a deputy now, but at least I'm a loyal one. <laughs> if, 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 she, if, she will, 
if she will not step in and secure the implementation of all those schemes that I have mentioned, will she step in on the other matter vital to economic confidence, the recognition of past mistakes? She has been overruled, we understand, on the Royal Mail. She has been hung out to dry by the rest of the Cabinet on the Goodwin pension. But she has the opportunity to speak for the Prime Minister's Cabinet colleagues, urging him to say sorry and move on. So in the disagreement between the Chancellor and the Prime Minister, whose side is she on and will she advise the Prime Minister to say sorry for past mistakes? The Prime Minister and the Chancellor have said that when it comes to financial services, yes, we should all learn lessons and we should learn lessons and take action on the basis of that. And lessons need to be learned not only uh, from the government but also in the regulators, in the financial services industry itself. Uh, and action needs to be taken. And we will take action on regulation, on remuneration and on corporate governance. But as well as making sure we have the right regulation system in this country, we have to recognise that whatever the system of regulation in one single country, we have to work together to make sure that the global financial system is properly regulated, because this has been a global financial crisis. So we will learn the lessons and we will take action. But it's not just for us to learn lessons, Mr Speaker. I think the opposition, too, have lessons to learn. Because when they, when they were in government, there was no golden age of regulation. People lost a great deal in the collapse of BCCI and the mis-selling of pensions. When we brought forward statutory regulation, they fought us tooth and nail. They fought us all the way. And even as the credit crunch began to bite, they called for the total deregulation of the mortgage market. And as far as the honourable member is concerned, the right honourable member, what he said... What he said... What he said when he was... Can I remind him, if he wants to learn lessons... What he said when he was leader of the opposition, he said, as Prime Minister, I will make deregulation one of my top priorities. He went on, I will drive deregulation from the centre and I will promote ministers not on the basis of whether they regulate enough but on the basis of how much they deregulate. So yes, we have lessons to learn but we'll learn no lessons from him. Mr Speaker, you would never think she was speaking on behalf of the Prime Minister who named a whole department after deregulation and regulatory reform. You would never think she was speaking on behalf of a Prime Minister who said yesterday that he had nothing to apologise for. Isn't it the case now that we've got Cabinet Ministers manoeuvring for the leadership while the Prime Minister is abroad, that we have a government that no longer commands the confidence of the people of this country, and isn't it clearer than ever that the people who got us into this mess cannot be the people to get us out of it? but I, I imagine it's, uh, it's predictable that he should focus on political gossip. But our focus, our focus, our focus
focus under the Prime Minister will be the real concerns, the real worries, the real anxieties of people in this country. And we will get on and build the new schools, the new hospitals, the new children's centres that they would stop. And we will help business, whereas they would do nothing. So I'm happy to leave the political gossip to him. We're getting on with fighting for the future of this country. Thank you, Mr Speaker. 34,000 families in my constituents are languishing on the Council's housing waiting list. They earn, on average, less than £24,000 per year. And yet the Mayor of London has decided to decrease the numbers of homes for rent built in the capital by 10%. Failing to deal with the snow was one thing, but blatantly ignoring the needs of my constituents and tens of thousands of other Londoners is another. Can she, will she, intervene? Well, I know that she and her honourable friends will stand up for all those people in London who need housing and need it now. And whilst Boris Johnson, the Mayor, doesn't recognise these concerns, I know that they have in the right honourable, in the honourable lady, my honourable friend, a champion on housing. Dr Vince Cable. Can I add my condolences to the families of uh, Maureen Lasky? Rifleman Gunn, Lieutenant Corporal Upton, Corporal Garden, uh, who all died at serving their country on the 25th of February, and also to the victims of the Sri Lankan atrocity. Now, uh, as the Leader of the House uh, is a former pensions minister and law officer, and I believe a trained solicitor, she's exceptionally well placed to understand pensions law. Um, instead of this rather eccentric proposal, for a Harriet's law to stop Sir Fred Goodwin's pension, would it not be more sensible for the government to use existing legislation under which uh, pensions can be forfeited in cases of employee negligence, which is surely the case with Sir Fred Goodwin, Adam Applegarth of Northern Rock and the others who bankrupted their banks? Um, Well, perhaps I can uh, update the House on this matter to say that the... Uh, Government has asked UK Financial Investments to investigate all the circumstances surrounding uh, the contract for Sir Fred Goodwin's pension, including the extent to which it was discretionary and including whether or not the people who took the decision had all the facts on which they could take that decision. And that, too, bears on the enforceability of the contract. We are absolutely clear that it's not acceptable and we are taking all steps to challenge the enforceability of the contract. Cable. Well, I think the Minister is missing the point. The issue is not, the issue is not whether it's 400,000 or 700,000. The issue is why it's being paid at all. But isn't this part of a much bigger issue, which is that there is growing anger in the, what she, I think, calls the court of public opinion, uh, not just about the pension and remuneration of what are now public sector employees, but about other public sector fat clats, including senior civil servants and, dare I say, ministers, uh, about their very lavish and generous pension. Uh, does she recognise that anger and what is she proposing to do about it? I think we, we do recognise that concern. And I think that in particular there's concern about the question of remuneration in the financial services industry because it has been part of encouraging short-termism and risk-taking. So as well as looking at the contractual basis of Sir Fred's 
pension, we've also asked the Financial Services Authority and the Walker Commission to look at how we tackle and improve the reg remuneration regime as, um, as part of corporate governance. And when it comes to the banks um, squandering their customers' uh, money, there's one thing perhaps I ought to add, which I discovered um, that it wasn't only Sir Fred who was getting money um, off RBS, it would also the Right Honourable Member opposite, um, who got £30,000 off the Royal Bank of Scotland, it turns out, for just two after-dinner speeches. Be quiet, you can't shoot across the chamber. Lindsay Hoyle. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I will not say pay it back. What I would say to my right honourable friend is that in 1965, a piece of legislation was brought in by the Labour government at that time, was statutory redundancy pay. That has been eroded over many, many years. Would my right honourable friend support my private member's bill? on March the 13th, which would ensure that the Government will relook and ensure there is a better deal under the statutory redundancy pay, will she ensure that the Government will back that private member's bill? Well, we want to do everything we can to support people who, through no fault of their own, lose their work. I, I know that um, this is going to come forward as a private member's bill. The Minister will respond on that occasion and bring forward his response to these important proposals. Uh, Mr Speaker, in addition to the list that my right honourable friend gave the Leader of the House of schemes to assist businesses that are not operating, may I add one more? The scheme to introduce help for those without trade credit insurance, promised by the industry minister when the government announced its help package for the motor industry. Thousands of companies around the country, both large and small, are finding trading extremely difficult without this trade credit insurance. When is the government going to announce the details of that scheme? Yeah. Well, I agree that scheme is important. We have to do everything we can to help manufacturing uh, and, in particular, the automotive assistance scheme. In addition to, I hope, the fact that he will, he will recognise that businesses in his constituency benefit from public investment, capital investment. So I hope we'll, he will agree with us that they should not oppose the capital investment in his constituency. I hope that he will support the ability for businesses in his constituency uh, to defer their tax payments. And honourable members opposite have got a choice. They can either say to their constituents, there's no help, nothing can be done, and they can wring their hands, or they can work to support businesses and bring schemes forward. Yeah. There's more. This very moment, in West Hendon Mosque in my constituency, funeral prayers are being held for my constituent 19-year-old university student, Hassan Kul Hawadli, an innocent victim of a brutal knife attack who was in the wrong place at the wrong time, merely filling up at a petrol station. Rather than attend the funeral, his family asked me to come to the house today to raise with my right honourable friend what more can be done to redouble our efforts against knife crime, to prevent such pointless tragedies occurring again in the future, and to support families such as theirs in their bereavement. Uh, my right honourable friend, the Home Secretary, the Metropolitan Police, local authorities, um, schools, 
um, youth centres and community organisations across London are working together to tackle the menace of knife crime. And whilst crime generally has gone down, there is a problem of knife crime that persists, which is why we've strengthened the law uh, to ensure that there's greater possibility of searches, that there are tougher penalties. But today, I think we share with him um, the grief about his constituency, constituents and we send our condolence to the family, the bereaved family. And Winterton. Mr Speaker, will the Deputy Prime Minister confirm that the real reason for part privatising Royal Mail stems directly from European Union postal legislation which forced, which forced Royal Mail to divest itself of its most profitable <coughs> business, thereby handing it over, lock, stock and barrel, to European competitors. What sense is there in that? The real reason, the basis that we are bringing forward uh, the Postal Services Bill is because of the analysis in the Hooper report, which we commissioned as long ago as December 2007, and which has made it clear that we need to take action to put the Royal Mail, which, as the Prime Minister said, is part of the fabric of our society, we need to put the Royal Mail on a firm footing for the future. That means we have to ensure that the pension liabilities are met. We have to ensure that the unfair regulation is tackled. We have to ensure that there is legislative underpinning of the universal postal services. And we also have to ensure that we get into the organisation so that as well as meeting its pension liabilities, it can also modernise considerable public capital investment but also private capital investment. When we bring forward this bill to support the future of the Royal Mail, I hope that she and other, all other honourable members will support it. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I'm delighted that the Government has brought forward £900 million of capital funding for schools. Shockingly, however, the Conservative-led Brighton and Hove City Council failed to take advantage of the £9 million available locally, despite admitting there are not enough places for my local children. What advice has my right honourable friend got for councils who could not get it together in time to take advantage of our government's funding? There is no excuse for her council to not step forward to make sure that they can take advantage of the funds that have been made available to improve still further the education prospects of children in her constituency. And I hope that she will be able to work with the Secretary of State for Children's Families and Schools to make sure, despite uh, the the lagging behind of her local council, they'll get on and deliver for children in her constituency. Mr Speaker, could the leader please confirm who was it who nominated Sir Fred Goodwin uh, for a knighthood and, crucially, why? Um, I think that Sir Fred was um, nominated for a knighthood because of his um, services for the Prince's Trust. I understand that it was not uh, in in recognition of his services uh, to banking. Thank you, Mr Speaker. 
Last week, we laid the first bricks in the £4 million extension to Rainbow's Children's Hospice, which is in my Loughborough constituency but serves the whole East Midlands. We still need another million pounds, plus £2.5 million each year to keep the hospice running. When is the government finally going to act to make sure that children's hospices don't rely on 95% of their funding from local residents and from fundraisers and finally get to the level that in adult hospices about 40% of that funding comes from the public purse? Well, I'd like to take the opportunity to pay tribute to all those um, in the NHS, both in hospital care and in the community, who help with uh, palliative and end-of-life services. But I'd also like to pay a very big tribute to the hospice movement, the voluntary movement, that has spearheaded uh, new ways to care uh, for people at the end of their lives. My right honourable friend, the Secretary of State for Health, has made this a priority, uh, investing uh, £30 million extra for palliative and end-of-life care and announcing additional support for all hospices and hospice home services for children up to the age of five. There is a great deal of progress underway and it's very important indeed. David Jones. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The uh, honourable, right honourable lady will be aware that uh, electronic identification of sheep will become mandatory for all animals, for all animals born after 31st December of this year. Does she share the view of her right honourable friend, uh, the Minister of State for Farming, that the cost of complying with those rules outweigh the benefits? Does she recognise that those costs may well force many thousands of British farmers out of the industry? And will she urge DEFRA to apply whatever pressure it can to the EU to drop this ridiculous, unnecessary legislation? I know that identification of sheep is very important as part of infection control, and he will know that this is a serious issue. And therefore, I will ask... I will ask uh, my right honourable friend, the Secretary of State, to write to him on this issue. Jeffrey Robinson. Grateful, Mr. Speaker. Is my right honourable friend aware that, contrary to what was said by the quasi deputy uh, leader on the other side, we have in fact, we have in fact already received uh, the agreement of the Commission for the 2.3 billion aid for the motor industry, and that we expect to have clearance for the 20 billion. Uh, working capital package this month. And having said that, will she take it from me that now is the time that we have these permissions, we have the schemes in place for us to get cracking and get the money out to the companies that deserve and merit it? And will she have a word with my very good friend in another place congratulating him on what he's done? Congratulating what he's done but telling him he's got to get cracking. <laughs> I think my right honourable friend makes very important points and I would like to say that that's the uh, I would have liked to have given those points as my answer to a previous question but I'd also like to tell the house that the industry and export financial support bill is going to be introduced into the house today that's going to facilitate an extra 16 billion pounds to be directly available so i hope that all honourable members will be welcoming that house that that bill being introduced to the house today order good honourable gentlemen members leave the chamber quietly please